the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground for Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And we have one of the attorneys in our office again to help us out, Harris Pappas. Hello, Harris. Hi, everyone. This show is about estate planning and elder law. At least the first part of the show is about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount and taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion. We're going to be talking a little bit about, and a little bit about sports, but we have two guests that we met at the Legatus Conference in California a couple of months ago. We have Sister Maris Stella, one of the Sisters of Life, and we have pro football center Matt Burke who played 15 years in the NFL, quite a few years with the Minnesota Vikings, and the end of his career with the Baltimore Ravens, played in the the Super Bowl, and got some headlines after the Super Bowl, and we'll talk about that, <laughs> you know, with this interview. In the meanwhile, the first part of the show, again, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And Harris, well, let me give a little bit of your background. Where'd you, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to law school? So I grew up here in Brooklyn. I uh, went to high school, Xavier High School in the city. Uh, for my undergraduate degree, I went to Pennsylvania. But then I came back here to New York for law school, and I went to St. John's University in Queens. Okay, and how long have you been in Connors and Sullivan now? Uh, since I passed the bar. Uh, well, before I passed the bar and the duration, around 2014 onwards. Okay. I don't want to say you're a jack of all trades because I don't think that does not give you enough respect. But what kind of what kind of areas do you work in here? I'm in, I practice in every area that uh, Connors and Sullivan has to offer, you know, starting with estate planning, uh, wills, trusts, et cetera, estate administration, what happens to your loved one's assets after they're gone, and unfortunately, as well, litigation when there's fighting over those assets, uh, real estate, buying and selling, as well as Medicaid planning and tax planning. What kind of questions have been brought up to you over the last week or so? A lot of the times you, you frequently see, especially with estate planning, you'll have um, a widow, usually the wife, almost always, uh, who's coming into our office either by herself or with one or more children. Um, and they're looking for a way to protect the, the major asset that she would have her house. Uh, and you also tend to see that maybe one of those children's live, one of the children live with her. So they, they come in and they're looking for the best way to protect their, their home or her home uh, from medical bills, especially from Medicaid. And then we usually give advice. So, Mr. Connors, if you can 
you know, turn around and, and tell us what you typically would do in that scenario. Well, ordinarily, we're going to put the house in a trust. You know, I, I know we talk about a trust all the time on the show, but I know some people here for the first time, they're listening for the first time. Or maybe you weren't paying attention last time because you're waiting to hear from the, the political guy or the sports guy that's been on the show later. The idea behind a trust, it's a family contract. It's your house as long as you're alive. After you're gone, it usually goes to the next generation. Now, I would say, and Harris, I think you'd agree with me, 90% of the trusts we do are between the parents and children. Correct. Now, that's not to say you couldn't do a trust between uncle and aunt, nephew and niece, or you couldn't do trust between significant others, younger brother, sister, things like that. But it just seems to me statistically 90% of the trust we do are between parents and children. So I'm going to use that terminology. Basically, it's parents' house as long as parents are alive. After they're gone, the house or whatever other assets we put in the trust pass automatically to the next generation, the kids. It works a lot like an insurance policy. The beneficiaries of an insurance policy can cash in your policy, uh, you know, a few days after you're gone with a death certificate. The beneficiaries of a trust agreement can sell your house, or the person in charge of the trust, the trustee, can sell your house within a few days with a death certificate. There's no court proceeding. There's no probate. And in most circumstances, it's tax-free. The laws have changed dramatically about estate and death taxes over the last few years. So right now, there's no federal estate tax under $11 million. There's no New York State estate tax under Five million seven hundred forty thousand. I'm going to give you a warning there. If you go over the limit in New York State, even slightly, you're going to get taxed. I'm going to say tax of death, but you're already dead. But it's going to be very bad for your kids if you jump over the five point seven five million seven hundred forty thousand dollar line. So you got to be careful if if you're in that area. We want to do something, and there's no gift tax right now in New York, so we can always you know we can always do something. You know, as far as capital gains taxes, if the trust is worded properly, and of course one of the things we try to do with Connors and Sullivan, we want to get the best plan for you. There there are a lot of attorneys who will let's say put the deed in son or daughter's name, and that'll avoid probate, and that'll save it from a nursing home. But then if it's not done right, the kids have to pay a couple hundred thousand, if not more, in capital gains taxes. And then some other people say, okay, we'll we'll put the house through a will and we'll avoid the capital gains taxes. But then the house is subject to nursing home bills, which might be worse than the taxes. So we try to put a plan together that, that saves your house from nursing home bills where your kids don't have to pay taxes and they don't have to go to court. They don't have to go through probate. We're not going to try to give you a plan that says, okay, we're going to save your house from a nursing home, but it's going to cost your kids $200,000 in taxes. And I think that's a problem in, in too many cases with general practice lawyers who don't look at the whole situation. They're looking at the one thing in front of them. And Connors and Sullivan, this is all we do as far as estate planning and elder law. So if you come in here, you're not going to be our first case that we're working on that week to try to save that asset from a nursing home. So come in, we talk it over, you can schedule an appointment, just give us a call, the number's repeated a couple of times during the show. You have nothing to lose. On the, uh, Talk it over and we give you a plan. There's no right answer for everybody. Everybody's family slightly different. But a lot of times, if you own a house, you have kids, you want to protect that house from your kids, we strongly recommend that you, you think about a trust agreement. Harris, is there anything else you want to bring up to the You know, a, a, lot, a lot of the times you'll have um, a spouse come in as well, a surviving spouse, most of the times a widow, and uh, they're not aware of the tax breaks that they can get on their real estate. And, and sometimes you see a, a lot of the generations coming in now are from the Vietnam era uh, where you have a, a spouse, their husband, who served in Vietnam, and, and they're not even aware of the tax breaks that are afforded to the surviving spouse. Can you just go into that a little bit? Yeah, because here's – and this is overlooked an awful lot. You know, so if you serve during time of war, you're entitled to a full veteran's exemption on your property. And the, the, the surviving spouse, the widow, is entitled to that exemption. So let's say you own a house in New York City. Your husband, now deceased, served in, in time of war. Now, like me, he could have been in Germany during the Vietnam War. He gets the exemption. 
or you get the exemption as a surviving spouse. You do not have to serve in a combat area. You have to serve in the military during time of war. But there's also the Cold War Warrior Act, where if, let's say, guys serve, let's say, like Elvis, he served between 1955 and 1959-60. A few years back, they didn't get any veterans exemption, but now they do get a partial veterans exemption. So if your spouse or if you serve during in the American military, you're entitled to a reduction in your real estate taxes in New York City, New York State. And there are a lot of people that just go by and they don't realize it, especially some people say, well, I inherited the house from from my parents. My husband's name was never on the deed. That doesn't matter. If you're the widow of a veteran, if you're married to a veteran, you can get that exemption. So, you you know, and that costs that that saves you thousands of dollars in your real estate taxes. I think a lot of people, the senior citizens exemption, if you're over 65 and your income is less than $58,400, you're entitled to a senior citizen's exemption on your property tax exemption. It means your real estate taxes are reduced. And in a lot of cases, that can save you thousands of dollars. I mean, and, and I'm surprised at the number of people who walk in the door and don't have the veteran's exemption, which they're entitled to, do not have the senior citizen's exemption, which they're entitled to. I think almost everybody does have the STAR exemption. They know they're entitled to that. But, you know, sometimes we can save you money just by coming in and say, hey, do you have one of these exemptions? And and fortunately, in today's world, if you live in New York City, we can pull up your deed and your tax bill, you know, from the computer, usually in a few minutes. Uh, sometimes the computer goes down. And we might have to check the next day or whatever. But if you come in, we can check your tax bill and see if you have that veteran's exemption, see if you have that senior citizen's exemption. And again, that could save you a lot of money in taxes. And of course, the laws have changed because let's say for the sake of argument, even just a couple of years ago, if you, let's say, were the widow of a veteran who served, let's say, between 1955 and 1960, and you had about $40,000 of your income, you were not entitled to the senior citizen exemption. You were not entitled to the veteran's exemption. You are today. So a lot of people don't know that. If you have any questions about that, come in. Of course, the one main thing we want to do is protect that house for your kids. We want to save that house from nursing homes. You want to call us at Connors & Sullivan? Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And you're more than welcome to speak to Harris when you do so. Looking forward to it. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. This is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Adult stem cell research is nothing new. It has been going on for decades and, in fact, has proven helpful in treating various diseases. In the process of this research, nobody has to be killed in order to obtain the stem cells. 
Embryonic stem cell research, on the other hand, only began in 1998 and does involve killing a new human life in order to attain the cells. The number of diseases that have been successfully treated with embryonic stem cells is zero. They have shown no medical benefit. And even if they did, such activity is immoral. The end does not justify the means. Adult stem cells have treated various forms of leukemia, sickle cell disease, anemia, and carcinoma. Embryonic stem cells have succeeded in nothing. This is Father Frank Lavone, National Director of Priests for Life. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is, is Sister Maristella of the Sisters of Life, a, a tr- truly great organization that's doing great things in New York City. But I didn't realize you guys are also in uh, Denver, Colorado, aren't you, Sister? That's right, Mike. Yes, we moved out here. Uh, we established a foundation four years ago now. We were invited by the Archbishop to come here and really to bring the gospel of life to university campuses. And so we're on six different campuses here where we're just helping young people to understand uh, the purpose and God's plan for their lives and for their love. Now, Sisters of Life, I mean, it's pretty obvious what your guys' main mission in life is, but can, can mm-hmm. you explain it a little bit more to the audience? Sure, yes, yes. We were founded by Cardinal O'Connor, the late Archbishop of New York, in 1991. Um And really, his vision for us is that we would proclaim to the world the value and the dignity of every human life, that each person, no matter what they could do or produce, was uh, uh, not for anything they could – any, their value didn't come from any, how much money they made or how articulate they were or how many gifts or talents they had, but for the singular fact that they were created in the image and likeness of Almighty God and that God has a purpose and singular plan for each person he brings into existence. And so Cardinal O'Connor had this vision that that there was a great need in our time. There was a great need to proclaim the sacredness of human life. Um, he served many years as a Navy chaplain and um, had made a number of trips around the world where he saw that the dignity of the human person was compromised. Um, through war, through the, what he saw um, as a chaplain, and then after the World War II and the Nazi concentration camps um, in Vietnam, and then also really the in our culture nowadays, this contempt for the human person that we see in with um, particularly with the unborn and the elderly. And so as Sisters of Life, um, we pray about four hours a day, which is our first work. And then from that flows all of our work. So we invite pregnant women to live with us. 
Um, we serve women who have suffered abortion so that they would know um, that God's mercy and his healing. And we also bring God's plan for life and love to the university campuses. All right. Now, getting back, you mentioned that, that Cardinal O'Connor was a Navy chaplain. You you have mm-hmm. a you have a little bit of a connection to the Navy. I do. Yes. Yeah. I, um, in fact, I, I graduated from the Naval Academy and I served for five years as a Naval officer on ships and, and operations. And it was during that time I really discovered my vocation to religious life. It sounds a little strange. You go to Annapolis, you serve in the United States Navy, and then wh- how did you find your vocation? Where did you find your vocation? Sure, yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a, you know, God is mysterious. <laughs> Every vocation is a gift and a mystery. And so I always often think, you know, Lord, you could have done it more simply. You could have, I could have gone to a Catholic university or something like that and entered uh, the convent right after college, but um, I, I went to the Naval Academy because I wanted to do something great and meaningful with my life, and I had this attraction to serve in the military, and I knew it was a great opportunity, and so when I went there, I was uh, grew in a lot of ways, um, but something that was most impressive to me is the so many people in the military have are deeply faithful. I guess they say, you know, there's no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> and so I grew a lot in my faith while I was in the in the military. And uh, there were, I had a number of experiences that led to it. But um, on one occasion, I went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land when while I was at the Naval Academy. And we were there with a, a, a rabbi, a priest, and a minister. And so I like to say that we were like a walking joke everywhere we went. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a great bunch. But um while I was there in the Holy Land, I came to understand um, God for the first time, really walking all these places where Jesus himself dwelt, where Jesus lived, where the Word became flesh. I came to understand really for the first time God's love for me, that he became man for me um, and for each and every person, and that um, because of the incarnation, he unites himself with each person. And so while I was there in the Garden of, I was there praying, and I was sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, um, you know, when we were in, when I was at the Naval Academy, everywhere we traveled, we were in uniform, and so people always thanked us for our service, and we knew that they were thanking us, but also that we represented something greater than ourselves. So anyways, I was there praying, and I, I sat there, and I saw a religious sister in habit go by, and I realized that her entire life was dedicated to God, that she was representing someone, and that she, with her life, was articulating those things that were in my heart that I had never found words to say, and that my deepest desire, actually, uh, I did want to serve my country, and I did want to serve in the military, but even more than that, I wanted to give my whole life for God, and she was saying with her life that which I had not yet found words for, and so after that experience, it was kind of always in the back of my mind, but, you know, I had two more years to graduation and five years of service, so I was happy to procrastinate it for seven more years, but it was really throughout that time that became more clear to me what God's plan was. Now, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. When you were born, your name was not Maristella. No, it wasn't, no. <laughs> okay. So how do, you, how do you come about to, to have your, you know, you, you have your given name, and, and how do you come back to have your, your name for the, for the order? My name, yeah. sure. Yeah, so um, when when you uh, you see it throughout the scriptures, whenever someone receives kind of a new mission in the church or in and throughout uh, salvation history, they receive a new name. For example, Abram became Abraham, um, Saul becomes Paul, um, uh, Peter is given the name Cephas. 
Peter's given his name. And so God gives entrusts people with a new name when they're given a new mission. And so for me, um, when you, it's the same thing when you are in the convent, too, that once you re- become a religious sister, you take on a new name, and it becomes um, somehow like you, part of your mission, the way God wants to identify you or what God wants to call you or how he sees you. Um, and so for me, this title, um, Maristella, means Star of the Sea, which is uh, a very ancient title for Mary. Um, it's a very ancient Latin title of hers, and it depicts this. Mary is um, this the, this great light, this star that guides the church through the seas of life. The church has always been seen as uh, the bark of Peter that's traveling through the seas of life, and it, sometimes there are pretty rough storms on the seas, and it can be dark, but that fixed light, that mark of Mary guides, and she guides with peace, she guides with love, she guides with beauty and tranquility. And so um, I was given this name by our Mother Superior, but I had also requested it because, uh, to me, it's something um, I feel that it kind of unites everything past, and it's also a call to how I want to live my vocation, to be a light for others. We talked about how you found your vocation. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to join the Sisters of Life? Sure, yeah. I, You know, when I was... Um, I lived in Italy immediately before. I worked on a destroyer in California. Um, I was stationed there for a couple of years and sailed all over the world and then was stationed in Naples, Italy. And it was there I began to more seriously discern my vocation. I thought, well, um, now's the time to decide. I'm either going to enter the convent. And I thought I would maybe... um, enter some monastery in Tuscany <laughs> and had these very romantic notions about religious life. But um, people kept mentioning the Sisters of Life to me um, among American priests that I would meet in Rome or other places. And when I met our community, I really couldn't believe that we existed in the church and in the world. It was so much of what was on my heart I was seeing lived out in our community. Um, it was just this dignity of the human person. Um, so, sisters, we believe that every person is good and unique and unrepeatable and has value. But I know that the world we live in, it's really easy to forget that sometimes. The world we live in can be very difficult. And so when I saw the way that our sisters walk with women who are uh, pregnant and attempted to abortion, I realized that when people experience love, they're able to dream about their futures again. They're able to have hope. And when I learned about our work with women who've had abortions, I saw how um, God can take the most difficult uh, sorrows and trials in our lives and transform them, and that Jesus always wants to bring restoration and healing. And I saw in our work that when people know that their life has meaning and value, they start to live it in a different way. They start to live it with purpose, and they know that they have a mission in this world we're created for. And so when I understood our work, I realized that this was so much what was a cry in my own heart. It was so much a way that I wanted. I knew that it was a message that I needed to hear, that people had value, and that also that I felt like um, God was inviting me to proclaim to the world. And I feel, too, that it's the most important issue of our day, this sacredness of the human person. You know, speaking to that, New York, we passed a law a couple of months ago, the end of January, Mm -hmm. I guess, and people are jumping up and down and cheering in the New York State Legislature. It's sorrowful. It's sickening. Do you have any comments? It must hurt you. Oh, it hurts us deeply. You know, we're deeply saddened by it and deeply grieved. Um, um, 
it's just um, what we know. We've just journeyed with so many women who've had abortions, and we know what it does to them. Uh, we've um, it brings great sorrow, great loss, and and then each human person that is lost because of abortion. So um, it's so um, un- just confusing, really, that this is something that's being celebrated. And in our work with pregnant women, it's, it's, it's challenged us, really, to, and it's rallied us to grow in our prayer lives, to become, um, we're more confirmed that of our work. We're more confirmed that we're needed in New York and that um, women deserve so much better than abortion and that we want to be there for women. Um, and so and we've seen it over and over again that when women experience that they're loved, they always choose life because it's what they most, most want. So it's, uh, it's, we're deeply grieved, but we also have great hope because we know that in the end, uh, truth will win and life will be victorious. Sister, how can somebody in the audience find out more about your order? Where do they contribute? Where can they support you guys? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, we're, uh, we have our website, sistersoflife.org, and you can learn more about us on our website, and there's different stories. We have all, a lot of different stories of women that we've worked with, stories of healing, stories of transformation. Um, so sistersoflife.org. And again, can you just say what, in New York, what are you guys doing? What, what, what do you do day by day? Day by day, sure, yeah. Well, our primary work is prayer, and everything flows from that prayer life, that union with Jesus, and then we pour his love out into the world. So we love God and then hope others through him. Um, but then second to that, it was uh, all our work is on the behalf of, the, of human life. And so we have a convent where pregnant women live with us, uh, we also have a, a visitation center in lower Manhattan where we serve hundreds of pregnant women every year. So women will come to us maybe immediately from an abortion clinic. They might have turned around that morning, met some of our friends who are praying outside of an abortion clinic, and they'll, the next thing they know, they're at our convent meeting with sisters. And so uh, we work with hundreds of women every year who are tempted to abortion and just help them find the emotional, the spiritual, the uh, financial support they need to choose life, and so we also and we also host retreats for women who are suffering after abortion, and so we have that mission in in Yonkers and and at our retreat house in Connecticut, and um, and we're also our sisters also staff the the Respect Life office for the Archdiocese of New York, and they're doing everything, um, speaking around the diocese and uh, to educators, to principals of schools, to um, to pro-life leaders and just really building up the pro-life movement in New York. Sister, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what your comrades and Sisters of Life are doing. Some of us really appreciate it and, and keep up the good work. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you for having us on your show. <laughs> okay. It's good to be able to share the message. Th- again, thank you very much, Sister Maristella of the Sisters of Life. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call. 
call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-238-6500-718-
<laughs> so, okay, so you went to college in Harvard. You got drafted? I was drafted in the sixth round, yes, in 1998, which uh, I was only 172 picks after Peyton Manning that year. <laughs> That's all. All right, so now what, what, yeah. is, what yeah. is it like in training camp? Where, where were you? What team drafted you? Uh, Minnesota Vikings, my hometown team. So that was, you know, that was as, as good as could be. And our offense was really good that year, like historically good, like scored the most points of any team in the history of the NFL. So, you know, those veterans, the Chris Carters and Robert Smiths and Randall McDaniels, they were, they were kind of bored most days. So they really went out of their way to, uh, to pick on the rookies and, you know, being the hometown kid and having gone to Harvard, there was, there was a lot of low hanging fruit there for those guys. <laughs> well, six-round draft pick don't always stick around. No, normally they don't. But uh, you know, I mean, and, and I mean this now too. You know, it's—I it's, uh, was very fortunate it, it, because I was drafted on a team that didn't need me to play right away. They kind of said, "All right, this guy might be a project guy." So, got time to develop. And um, you know, coming from Harvard, it wasn't like you know, at Harvard, like half the guys aren't at practice on any given day because they're in classes or labs or whatever. So. You keep everything pretty basic uh, from a football standpoint, and so my football IQ was was pretty low. Um, so I actually needed needed some time to some on the job training, if you will, to kind of get a uh, get an undergraduate degree in in football. How many years did it take you before you were a starter? Uh, my third year, I became the starter. Okay. How many yeah. years did you play in the NFL? Uh, Fifteen. 15, 15 now. 11 with Minnesota and then four with the Baltimore Ravens. Now I heard you speak a couple of months ago, and, and you were saying that religion is part of the life at the NFL. And, and I was a little surprised about that. Yeah. And it, it definitely is. I mean, the locker room is a very, very spiritual place. And, you know, I know football players get paid a lot of money and this and that, but you know, there's, there's foot, there's football stars. You know, let's say there's a hundred stars in the NFL. Let's say each team has three stars or maybe five stars. That's still these 1700 guys who are, you know, you're basically fighting for your job like every single day. And, um, it's super competitive. You have really high highs, really low lows. And, you know, sooner or later, the, the same I say, sooner or later, the game is going to bring you to your knees. Um, and so, you know, some guys start there. Other guys like me, it takes uh, takes some hard hard lessons to, to figure that out. But, um, you know, things in the NFL, nothing's real, right? The money's not real. The fame's not real. Um, I mean, one week, everybody can tell you how great you are. The next week, you lose, and everybody's telling you you're a bum. You know, and so I really do think, you know, there's something, right, there's something inside of all of us. There's something in our heart that that wants the truth, that wants what's real. And, uh, you know, I think after a while, guys, and I put myself in this boat, you know, you try to fill it up with, you try to fill that hole with, with, a, with other things, you know, with, with temporal things, with worldly things. And sooner or later, you figure out that none of that helps, none of that works, that, uh, that sooner, or later you, sooner or later you get to God. All right, well, getting back to football, you end up with the Baltimore Ravens. How did that happen? I was a free agent for the first time in my career and was really just taking a visit out to Baltimore as, as some leverage to the Vikings. Um, as, as a team, the Vikings, you know, we weren't in a great spot, but, yeah, I was home. I'd been playing here 11 years. I was figured I'd just end my career where it started and kind of right off into the sunset. But went out to the Ravens. They were a great team, had a great young head coach named John Harbaugh at the time. He was a young head coach. And uh, I just loved everything that he was talking about. I loved his philosophy for, for football, um, for the way he, his philosophy of how to, how to build and coach his team. 
very similar. And I thought, you know, from a football standpoint, I thought if I only have a couple years left, I want to I want to end up playing for this guy. And then uh, as we talked some more, I got to know that he's a he's a deep man of faith. He's a Catholic, and uh, so so we just you know we connected on on that level as well. And it was just kind of a as hard as it was, it was also it was also kind of a no brainer for me. I mean, obviously, this is, may sound like a stupid question, but what was it like to play in the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl game? Yeah, um, it's not a stupid question. Uh, I think probably well. It's a good question, or if it is a stupid question, I think I have a stupid answer. I mean, I don't really know from the standpoint that when you're playing in it, you don't look at it like, oh, my gosh, this is the Super Bowl. You just, like, honestly, there's party. It's like, hey, man, don't go out there and screw this up, right? Like, so you're just you're just super, super hyper-focused. And that week, I didn't watch any TV. I didn't go on the Internet. All I wanted to do, I wanted to keep the game as small as I could and just and just really make it about going out there. and and playing football, you know, something I, that I'd done for a, for a very long time and not get caught up in the, in how big the moment was. And so it, it's kind of weird. It's, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. I don't, I don't remember a ton from the game, which is, which is sort of odd. I've never watched the film, which, you know, as football players, you always watch the film after you play. I've never watched that film because I guess part of me thinks that like once I do, then, then my career is officially over. Um, but I do know this. I do know what it was. A, that was a great moment. I do remember seeing my family run onto the field and, and uh, just remember kind of looking at all of them saying, I mean, can you believe this? This is, this is, this is insane. My kids down on the ground doing snow angels and the confetti. It was just, you know, one of those things that you really have to be grateful for because, you know, very few people get to have moments like that in their lives and you know, get to share with the people that, you love the most and I love you the most. It's just, that's as good as it gets. After football, what'd you start doing? Uh, dieting. You know, You're thin now. Well, I don't know if I'm thin, but I'm, I'm not as fat as I used to be. Um, yeah. Dieting. I wrote a book. I kind of, I kind of tried to, um, I tried to get kind of busy just because when you retire, people talk about, People talk about it in sports, but I think they talk about it too with, with other professions. You know, you do something for a long time and there's a, there's a comfort there. There's probably part of your identity is tied up in that, at least to people that don't really know you. That's how they see you. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to get really busy and, and, you know, kind of on the fly, figure out what's next. And so did all these things, but didn't really feel like, uh, didn't really feel like it was, didn't find my traction right away. I uh, went and worked at the NFL League office in New York City for a couple of years. Uh, that kind of really wasn't my thing. And uh, have ended up uh, living back at home um, with my wife and eight kids and close to grandma and grandpa. And uh, I have a couple, quote, jobs. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, just, just trying to be, a, just trying to be a, the best husband and dad that I can be. Here in New York and in other parts of the country, the right to life is becoming, uh, you know, an important issue, and it seems like the country is getting further and further divided. What's your role in the right to life movement? Uh, well, I did uh, when we won the Super Bowl. I did uh, decline the invitation to the White House because when I got the invitation, it was a couple of days after President Obama uh, had given a a speech to Planned Parenthood. It was the first sitting president to address Planned Parenthood and at the end of his speech. He said. God bless Planned Parenthood. 
And I would say up to that point, my wife and I were, uh, we were involved in the pro-life movement. You know, uh, my wife started working at pregnancy centers and I, um, I spoke at the Maryland Right for Life. And, you know, obviously being a Catholic, I mean, if you're a Catholic, you're pro-life. If, if you say you're a Catholic, you're not pro-life and you're not Catholic. Um, that's how I look at it. So uh, I also served on the board of a, uh, of a pregnancy center in Minnesota. But then, you know, so I turned down the invitation to the White House. I like to say I, I turned down the invitation to the White House before it was the in thing to do. Um, and I was, I was the only one that year and uh, got kind of pressed on why I wasn't there. So I just told a few members of the media, this is why I wasn't there. You know, I just respectfully declined. And, well, then it became a story, right? And I learned all about the 24-hour news cycle. And, you know, I'm going on Fox News and CNN and, and uh, kind of encountering, um, yeah, encountering this, this, this vitriol that's out there. And that just, um, you know, for me, that was, that was sort of a, took it to another level. Like, wow, I cannot believe that, um, that some people so vehemently disagree, not, that's not, not with me, but, but are so, uh, that, you know, that, that having the right to have an abortion is so important to them. So I think with that, um, you know, my wife and I sort of doubled down our effort and, uh, I go, I go all around the country now and, and speak at various pro-life events and, uh, you know, advocate for the unborn. And, you know, certainly there are a lot of causes and they're all good ones that, that people can get involved in. But, you know, this is, this is the most fundamental cause that there is. And, uh, you know, I think personally, I feel like if we don't get this one right, then, then none of the other ones really matter. Well said. Now you said you wrote a book. What's the book about? The book is called All Pro Wisdom. And it's sort of about just, you ever seen those signs that said, all I ever learned, all I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Um, you know, for me, it's like all I ever learned, all I ever needed to know, I learned playing football. Um, you know, football is a great metaphor for life. Sort of like a season is kind of like life condensed into one six-month period. You know, you got all these things happen, and and um, every day as a player, I was looking for inspiration. Uh, our coaches were were trying to give you inspiration, and kind of felt like I just, I, you know, kind of I, I was fortunate enough to have a job where. Um, it was intense. Like there's, there's no days in the NFL that are just days. I mean, it's, it's super intense. So you, you learn a lot, you figure out a lot. And I just felt like I just, not many people get the chance to be in an NFL locker room. And um, I just wanted to kind of share these quote nuggets of wisdom that, that I learned uh, along the way, because I think they're applicable, not just to football, but to life. And I think whether you play football or like football, I think these are things that, that everybody can, can relate to. And so um, there's seven questions or seven choices in the book that I think everybody, everybody should be able to answer or should think about and, and come up with, with answers to if they want to have a, a great life. Okay. you say the name of the book again? It's All Pro Wisdom, The Seven Choices That Lead to Greatness. Look for it out there. Matt Burke, B. I-R-K, if you're looking for the book on Amazon. Thank you for, you know, being an example for, for so many of us. You know, it's it would probably be easy for you to sit back and retire and, and not worry about getting involved in the vitriol, as you said. But you gave us an example, and we admire you for that. Well, you know, we're all supposed to just use our gifts and our talents, right? We, we, we need to use them for, for good. That's what that's what God calls us to do. So um, I try to do that. You're doing that. I'm sure every one of your listeners is, is trying to do it every single day. And you know, that's what that's just what we're called to do. God bless you. 
God bless you, too. Thank you. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website. ConnorsAndSullivan.com. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Thanks again to Matt Burke. You know, a really, truly remarkable man. And and we met both Sister Maris and Matt Burke at the Legatus Conference in the end of January. That's not. We also met Bob Klein, who's been on the show too, tight end right. for the, the Los Angeles Rams and the, and the San Diego Chargers, who happens to be work, working for the John Wayne Cancer Institute. So right. it was a great, in fact, well, Anthony Monopoly, that's, that's four right. guests <laughs> that we met at the... Legatus. I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody there that wasn't a nice person. I know that that that's. I love going to Legatus. The people usually they are builders. They have built up a business, or they they work within a business to um, to provide a service to a whole bunch of people. They're great. They're not naysayers. uh, they're okay let's just get it done yeah okay we can do this we can very positive wonderful people i think that's because of their faith if you have strong faith you you want to do a good job you want to help people and in each person's own way whether it's helping people with their money their insurance or um with the sisters, um, good grief, think of all the wonderful things they do every single day. Or, um, Mr. Burke being a witness. I mean, isn't, that's what we're called. We're called to be witnesses, good people. 
And so that's why I love Legatus. You go there, it's just a whole bunch of good people. And maybe there, we have to get some more people that we met on the show. I think we have to work on it. And you know what What I liked when Matt Burke was speaking of Legatus, he was so self-deprecating. The guy who played 15 years in, in the NFL and he was making fun of his abilities and oh, things like that. Like he was just a marginal player who happened to play in the for a Harvard graduate. Yeah, Harvard graduate played know? 13 years as his oh, daughter of the NFL. If you have somebody that has accomplished so much um, and is so thankful to other people and doesn't build, I mean, that's what it's all about in that humility. Good stuff. Yeah. No, uh, it was a very enjoyable time. And if, if you're, you own a business and you're Catholic and you want to join Legatus, take a look at it. See, see if you want to join. But I would recommend you, you take a look at it. Now, meanwhile, of course, we have a bunch of interviews piling on right now. <laughs> Chris Cordani, like some of the old interviews, and, and sometimes, you know, I didn't realize it. I was at home one day, and I was going through U- YouTube. Because we're cool we, now. Right, I didn't even know we had YouTube on our TV set. <laughs> and I push up YouTube, and what do I do? I see a picture of Ed Bars and me. Now, how does that happen? Well, we had to do that because it looked so darn good. But uh, we do have a YouTube channel. And if you uh, want to hear some of our classic interviews, uh, Mike Connors talks with the likes of Ed Bars, some of the great uh, other historians. We even You even talked with a, a, a spy from the Soviet Union, as a matter of fact, Jack Barsky. That was pretty good. That was right, KGB uh, agent. That's right. Uh, you talked with Dion DiMucci. You talked with uh, the likes of... Oh, yes, I remember this one. Ron Hunt. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Some of the best conversations you had were with Ron Hunt. You talked about the uh, Orlando Cepeda, Roger Craig fight with both of those guys. And more recently. Slightly t- different versions, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's never just one side. It's like those old TV shows where they had uh, two characters tell their side to the story. And then the other person says, well, the- you need the umpire. That's what you need, the umpire from that fight. <laughs> Yeah, Skip Lockwood. You put together an all-star team. I think we talked about that last week. Now we have to put together a football team for you. Uh-oh. We just had... Well, it uh, takes a lot more work to put a football team together. <laughs> well, we did just get Pete Lamons and uh, Don Maynard last week, and that's on our YouTube channel. So if you missed that, check it out. Yeah, yes. we got two tight ends, Pete Lamons and uh, Bob Klein. We got one center, Matt Burke. We got a guard, Dave Herman. Burgess Owens, defensive back. Michael Faulkner, defensive lineman. Uh, who else we got out there? Oh, of course, I, Don Maynard, wide receiver. How can I forget? Well, some play famous? both sides. Yeah. Iron men. That's right. what they we were. We got Fran Tarkenton <laughs> and J.C. Watts for quarterback. There you go. First string and second <laughs> string. So I guess we're kind of. We can do it. Phil Robertson. Phil Robertson. Phil Ro- yeah, well, we got three quarterbacks. We don't oh need three gosh. quarterbacks. <laughs> Way to go, Chris. Exactly right. A little short on defensive uh, players there, though. You got you got to work on that one. There we go. It's sort of like the uh, oh, the Jets and Giants of recent years. So <laughs> oh. in good shape. Because <laughs> oh. all we got, all we got, is Michael Faulkner and uh, Burgess Owens on the defensive line. On the defensive side of the ball, I think. All right. Well, that's our that's our that's our goal. Our Got to get some channel, more. Our YouTube channel is Ask the Lawyer Connor's Corner Conversations, but you can also just look for Connor's Corner and maybe put your favorite uh, celebrity historian or sports figure down, and you'll find it. Yeah, and, so. and by the way, if anybody out there has any suggestions, write them in. We'll see if we can get them on the show. Uh, now, Carl. Sent us like 77 suggestions. But <laughs> we're working on we it, a, Carl. We got a couple coming. of them on. Yeah, we're we working have, we have on some it. some coming, as a matter of fact. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, we're, I, I think we've got three of it. Well, he gave us suggestions. A lot of the people have already been on. But we got three scheduled to 
be interviewed according to Carl's list. So thank you, Carl. And Liz and everybody out there, really, we love senior citizens. So if you know somebody that um, that was in World War Two, but certainly the Korean War, and and even if you've got someone that's got a good story from the Vietnam War, but we love veterans. Which you do have, as a matter of fact. Uh, Paul Weiss was on and told some rather interesting stories and is a funnest for napalm. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, and 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 Alan Wahlberg was very good too on, on the yes. Vietnam, and they're both friends of mine from the Civil War Roundtable. Which again, you know, that's one of the advantages of the Civil War Roundtable. You meet a lot of interesting people there. Just not talking about the Civil War, but even people that are interested in history and people who are interested in history are usually interesting persons themselves. It's a, it's a, it's a. That's a wonder. That's an. You know, we we're we know a lot of nice people, don't we? Legatus, Civil War Roundtable. Oh, I'm telling you. Anyway, our listeners out there, you you should join us. We have fun. And when you go to the Civil War Roundtable, you also get real good food. You not only get somebody that's a good speaker, and you get to to meet all of our our friends, but you get a a good dinner. You know, in another few seconds, David Kincaid is going to be saying goodbye to the show. What He's streaming these songs now. I don't really understand that, but what does that mean? Uh Uh-oh, Chris. (laughs) Well, basically, he (laughs) offers them for download. So you can download his music now. Now, do you have to pay for that? How does that work? I think it would be a fair exchange to uh, pay for a download, yes. I think that's fair, too. I, I just no, no, didn't no, know artists are entitled to absolutely. You know, make money on their work. So good good luck to David Kincaid. Absolutely. But, you know, great, great Irish-American balladeer. And, you know, he does the rock stuff. And, and on Hollowed Ground, which takes us off each day, each show, great song. Bye-bye, everybody. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered, we are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.